0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Yeah! Lemon Skunk.
2: An historic day. Cannabis is now legal in this country, and B.C.'s first government-run pot shop opened for business in Kamloops to a long line of eager shoppers. Good evening and thank you for joining us. It is a big day for B.C. and the rest of the country, entering the world of legal marijuana, reportedly without any major snags.
3: Aaron MacArthur has more on how it all unfolded and the boom in business, both online and at the bricks-and-mortar stores.
4: And then I really loaded up on the lemon skunk, as you can see here, it's all lemon skunk.
0: People were buying as much as they could carry. As of 10 a.m., cannabis, now a product no more controversial than a bag of Doritos. It's beautifully set up, the staff is very friendly. You know, uh, I'm, it's a great it's a great
5: environment in there.
4: It's beautiful in there. There's so much to look at, so much to smell. But, yeah, i got to say that putting an order in was pretty exciting. Three,
0: two, one. Across the country, fanfare was a little more frenzied. In St. John's, legalization came a half an hour before anywhere else. And from Halifax to Calgary, the ability to buy marijuana legally from a controlled store was met with relief.
6: I've waited a long time for this. Canada is um,
2: right now leading in a really positive way for the rest of the world.
0: Legal weed happened months later than the Liberal government had promised. And even still, the opposition is arguing the rollout has been rushed and is ignoring critical safety issues. The prohibition on marijuana has not worked in this country. The framework to sell marijuana is different across the country. 13 different retail and distribution models. On the East Coast, it's bricks-and-mortar stores. Newfoundland has 22, New Brunswick 20, and PEI has 4. 17 were supposed to open in Saskatchewan. Only 5 had enough stock to sell to the public. There are stores in two of the three territories, but none in Ontario. And B.C., despite a decades-old culture of cannabis retail, managed to open just the one store.
3: My preference would have been January, uh, but the federal government said October, and that's great. Uh, You know, we've worked to that, we've met the goals, and we met the
0: challenges. British Columbians don't seem to mind the lack of physical stores. On the government website, sales have been strong all day. By early afternoon, more than 5,500 separate transactions, and some products already sold out. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And our Paul
3: Haysom is in Kamloops tonight, going strong all day. Paul, safe to say a lot of happy customers coming out of that store.
7: Yeah, you could certainly say that, Chris. It's been a banner day here at the only government-run pot shop in the province. The lineups are long but spirits are high as everyone wants to be a part of this historical day now it started with just a few people early this morning but quickly hundreds stopped by to see what this was all about the lineup actually spilling into the parking lot here at the shopping center now once inside you're met with art and information that lines the walls besides the bongs pipes and oils but the real star of the show is that bud 85 strains that vary in price and potency anywhere from 7 to 16 bucks a gram now you can see inside smell the product before paying up and then picking up. It's been interesting though to see the clientele that's been rolling through today. You got your young, your old, and everything in between. A two-pack pre-roll and one uh, one bud that uh, needs to be uh, l- launched into a, maybe a brownie or something. You know, it's a great day. Uh, we've waited a long time for this. It's like an apple store in there, so it's kind of nice to see that they're taking it seriously. It's kind of interesting to see that they got the. Uh, Glass kind of panned out so you can't see in, inside, but just kind of a cool experience and seeing that Canada's getting on the train's kind of cool. I got actually one of everything. Did you really? I did, yeah, 20, 29 grams, I think. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. So what did that run you? Uh, just over $330. That's one of every single thing in the store. It was, of the highest
0: quality.
3: Well, it's been a busy day for online shoppers too, Paul. The good news is the website didn't crash, but we're hearing some products, actually a lot of (laughs) products, already sold out.
7: Yeah, out of stock. And despite that one guy getting one of everything, he certainly made a dent. But they haven't run out of stock here at the Bricks and Mortar store. But the same can't be said for the website. That website opened at midnight. Same 85 strains. They had 1,000 sales in the first hour. At one point, they had 100 sales a minute. Now, it's just a few strains that are out of stock. But the government says they plan to look after that right away. And they're swinging it as a positive, saying it's proof their prices are are competitive. Others are saying, no way, this is government grade. I'm going back to my dealer. I'm going back to the black market, but whatever way you slice it, certainly a historical haze over the province and the entire country tonight. Chris.
3: Sure is. Okay, thanks very much, Paul Hasem in Kamloops. Get some rest, buddy.
2: Well, Canada becomes only the second country to legalize marijuana, behind Uruguay, which did so in 2013. And Ottawa is now moving to pardon Canadians with simple pot possession convictions of 30 grams or less. But it won't be automatic. You will have to apply, and it could be some time before those pardons are granted. The legislation will be brought forward before the end of the year. It still needs to become law before the pardons can be issued. Illegal pot shop owners have been warned if they want to go straight and open a legal store, they'd better shut down their current business now. But not everyone is heeding that warning. Our Sarah McDonald is live inside a dispensary that continues to defy the law. Sarah.
8: Well, Sophie, it may be operating illegally, but it is still business as usual in this dispensary tonight and others across the province. And as you can see, the demand is still high for pot, whether it's legal or not. Going forward, you can now purchase your pot legally either online or in person, though in BC that's easier said than done. The province's lone legal dispensary sitting some 400 kilometers outside of Vancouver. With long-running pot shops like this one closing their doors for now. We don't
6: know for sure how long the closure is going to be. Um, We haven't had an estimate yet. It could be two weeks, it could be two months.
8: That's because they're complying with orders from the province to do so as their paperwork is processed. Now in legal limbo in the quest for a license and not taking any chances. Look at this. Though others are defying regulations and still open for business.
9: We're taking money away from organized crime. If... the the government stores start overpricing it and overtaxing it, It, it's very easy to, to grow cannabis.
8: And that is another major point of contention, the province accused by critics of overcharging. From 7 to $14 per gram depending on the product, and that's before taxes and shipping. I think that's a little too expensive. People
6: will adjust to it. Everything's expensive in Vancouver as it is. Like, we're still going to pay for weed. So will
8: those high prices push business back to the black market?
3: That could be an issue moving forward, you know, so as a department um, looking at it being too expensive and potentially uh, selling it outside of legitimate means.
8: The province, meanwhile, maintaining some pot users will pay a premium for peace of mind.
3: B.C.'s prices are very competitive uh, when you look at how they compare to, uh, to uh, uh, other provinces.
8: With others okay. insisting they'll still stick with their dealers and dispensaries. This is supposed to stop us being in back alleys. Legal or not...
2: All right, Sarah, for those dispensaries vying for a license, when might they actually get one?
8: Well, Sophie, that is the big question tonight, and one we are not getting a definitive answer to at this point. The province only saying that dozens of private applicants have completed the first step in obtaining a license, including eight of them here in Vancouver, and we could see them reopen their doors and legally in the coming months. All right, thanks for that. Sarah McDonald in
2: Vancouver.
3: Well, as you just heard, much is already being made about the price. But if you have no idea, here are some numbers. First, prices on the black market range from $3 to $6 a gram. So we're told. About two to three joints. It's more than that in the government stores, and in some provinces, a lot more. Let's take a look. The most expensive pot is in Saskatchewan, and the Northwest Territories at around $18 a gram. Among the cheaper places to buy pot are Newfoundland and Labrador at just under $5 to about $7. Quebec at $5.25 per gram and PEI at $5.65. In Ontario, a gram will cost you $8 to just over $14. It's slightly more expensive in Alberta from just over $9 to over $15. Then a bit less here in B.C., from 7 to $16 per gram. And finally, in the Yukon, the range of cost is widest, between 6 and $20 per gram.
2: And while there was no doubt a lot of excitement about this historic day, it didn't arrive without some protest.
10: It's actually about, uh, uh, essentially, Canada becoming the world's biggest drug dealer. And I think that's a big problem. Addiction.
2: Addiction to caffeine is worse. A small coalition of groups concerned about the health risks associated with marijuana holding a protest on the steps of the art gallery this afternoon. And as you probably heard, there was also a pro-pot heckler nearby.
0: You want
11: to hear their truth? Yes, I do. Hey, why don't you listen then? Exactly. I've been a professional drug researcher for
10: years. This listen is entirely incorrect. We uh, are seeing in Colorado and other states that legalize that the potency of the THC products is up to 99% potency now. We've never seen that before. Um, it's completely unlike what we saw in the 70s. So um, that's very concerning.
2: And to read all of our cannabis coverage from across the country today, you can log on to our website, globalnews.ca/bc. Right now, the homicide investigators are releasing surveillance video that shows two vehicles used in a deadly shooting in Surrey last week.
3: 30-year-old Sumit Randawa gunned down in broad daylight. Grace Key has more on the vehicles of interest and where they were spotted.
12: Newly released video shows a shadowy figure getting out of a black Hummer and into the passenger side of a blue Ford Focus. He's believed to be the killer of 30 year old Sumit Randawa. The image was taken just minutes after Randawa was shot and killed in a Surrey driveway. That is our killer.
13: That is the killer of Sumit Randawa. That is the person we believe pulled the trigger and ended his life. We need to find this person. We need to find, uh, we need to find him right now. So anyone with information, please step up and contact IHIT. I heard pop,
1: pop, pop,
11: maybe four or five shots.
12: The shooting happened just before two in the afternoon last Thursday in the 6700 block of 130th Street near a school. It was a brazen daytime shooting that unfolded right in front of a neighbor who saw the getaway car take off and then return.
13: North on 7, uh, what was it, 130th. And about three minutes later, the same Humvee come back and drove past my, my house and, the, and he slowed right down to make sure he'd done the job good. Eh?
12: Minutes after the shooting, police located an abandoned and stolen Black Hummer H3 with Washington state license plates just a block away from the shooting on 129th Street. The Hummer was traveling with what's believed to be a 2012 to 2014 blue Ford Focus.
13: Anyone with information about... Uh, the Hummer, but particularly the blue Ford Focus. Our investigators need to know where this particular vehicle is right now, this morning.
12: Police are also asking for people to come forward if they think they may have dash cam video of the two vehicles. A motive is still unclear, but investigators believe it's related to the ongoing gang
2: conflict in the region. Grace Key, Global News. Well, anyone driving across the Golden Ears Bridge this afternoon would have seen the result of a fire in the Walnut Grove neighborhood. Fire crews called to a large fire that engulfed an equipment shed on a property at 208th Street and 102 B Avenue, not far from the bridge. Investigators believe someone was welding near the shed when it went up in flames. A number of acetylene and oxygen tanks exploded. The biggest concern for firefighters was establishing a water supply to save other structures on the property. Thankfully, no one was injured.
3: It's the last day for advanced voting in a number of communities around the province, including Vancouver. And if that includes your city, you still have about an hour and a half left to make your mark if you'd like to cast your ballot early. Otherwise, you'll have to wait until Saturday when general voting gets underway. Advanced voting numbers seeing an uptick in many areas this time around. The last
9: day to vote in advanced polls is today. Turnout is up in Vancouver by over 25% compared to the last election. So that might be an indication that more people are voting in civic elections this time than last time, but it still uh, trails federal and provincial elections.
5: You know, it's a privilege to be able to vote and I never miss voting. I can't understand with, you know, the current global situation how people cannot take the time.
3: That is an excellent message, isn't it? And we will be right here on Saturday providing all the municipal election coverage you need. That's Vancouver City Council candidate Penny Musio taking to the streets this afternoon to protest the planned demolition of the Georgia and Dunsmere viaducts. Musio says the hundreds of millions of dollars it'll cost to tear down the viaducts and rebuild other roads would be better spent on affordable housing and other priorities.
2: A developer in North Vancouver is proposing a novel solution to the stubborn problem of demovictions.
3: As Catherine Urquhart reports, the company wants to build prefab affordable homes for the people who will be displaced by its new development.
4: At family-friendly Maplewood Gardens, residents feared they would soon be demovicted. Now many seem excited about plans to redevelop their rental property.
8: Yeah, that, that actually sounds... Um, yeah, that
4: sounds good. There's not many rentals available in North Van, especially ones that are low-income or uh, financially able to. So I think it's a good idea. The aging 50-unit townhome complex on Old Dollarton Road was bought in 2015 by Darwin Properties. They planned to redevelop it with 372 condos and 79 rental suites, but they didn't want current tenants to be homeless.
13: We thought, why don't we think differently about it and um, see if we can come up with a solution to make sure that they stay here and then we build a building. Once that building is complete, they can move into that new building before we start the rest of the project.
4: The tenants are being offered one of 99 units in a new modular building with rents at below market rates between $1,200 and $2,100 a month. District approvals haven't come yet, but some are already lauding the novel approach.
11: It's exactly the kind of proposal that was missing and that we called for with other rent evictions that have occurred in the district. So we're very happy with that we're also very happy with the affordability features of the proposal that he's
4: brought forward darwin property says it hopes to get project permits and rezoning fast-tracked and the modular unit completed in about 12 months residents then able to move into their new homes instead of being dem evicted katherine urquhart global news
2: Well, for the first time in nearly 60 years on the water, B.C. Ferries passengers will be able to use debit cards on some ferries for now.
3: That's right. The Ferry Corp announcing a two-month pilot project that will have debit machines on five ferries that service the Sawasan to Swartz Bay route. And self-serve kiosks in the four major ferry terminals will give walk-on passengers the option to pay with debit bc ferry says connectivity issues have prevented debit card service on board until now they will reassess the service after the two-month trial period now if you're thinking of making the jump to an electric vehicle in the near future be prepared to wait
2: that's the conclusion of a new report that says bc's car dealerships are falling well behind the demand for electric transportation kylie stanton tells us why
10: Ah, just, Just starting it up.
2: It's silent, smooth, and powered only by a
6: battery.
0: People have really, really loved this vehicle.
6: The demand for electric cars is on the rise. It has become a mainstream platform with just about every
10: manufacturer now either carrying an electric vehicle or coming out with one.
6: But actually getting one is another story. A new report by Clean Energy Canada has found the majority of the 322 BC car dealerships that qualify for the electric vehicle rebate program don't have any EVs available for purchase.
13: Only 40% of dealerships had even a single electric car on the lot, and a lot of them were citing wait times as much as 18 months before somebody would be able to get an electric car without even having a chance to test drive it.
6: Electric car sales in Canada have seen huge growth in the past year. In 2017, roughly 2,200 were sold. But in just the first six months of 2018, that number had already tripled. It just takes one visit to the pump where prices are hitting record highs to see the perks pay off. That only drives up the demand and frustration, potentially stalling a growing trend.
10: When people can't access something at the time that they want it, they'll likely move on to another option. And if the battery electric vehicle is not available, there's a far more likelihood that they're going to move towards internal combustion engine vehicles.
6: With that in mind, the provincial government is looking at implementing a clean growth strategy, encouraging dealerships to sell more electric cars, setting sales targets of 5% by 2020, 10% by 2025, and 30% by 2030.
10: Frankly, we'd reach it right now if they were on the lot. Uh, I think you'll see far more aggressive uptake. Uh, The goal is, you know, getting towards 30% by 2030, uh, and, and even more beyond that.
6: California and Quebec have introduced similar mandates, which have proven to work. Whether or not that will be the case here in B.C., we'll just have to wait a little longer to find out.
2: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A thunderous torrent of water in central Texas as officials open the floodgates of a dam struggling to deal with historic flooding. Several days of pounding rain has swollen rivers to the point where the governor has declared 18 counties disaster areas.
3: Making matters worse, the forecast calls for more of the same. The raging rivers rose quickly,
10: roaring downstream.
2: There's nowhere for water to go.
10: In central Texas, north of Austin, dramatic rescues after days of torrential rain. 20-year-old Jackie Anderson trapped, driving to work. We decided that we were going to swim across and get out to her. I just told her to go ahead and get on my back and just wrap her arms around me. I was going to get us out. Today, authorities found another body, the second death since the Llano River started flooding on Monday.
11: Flash flood watches and warnings out for a good portion of south-central Texas, where we're going to see more rain, another one to three inches. While that doesn't sound like a lot on already saturated ground, this could be devastating.
10: Devastating because the Llano River rose 35 feet in 24 hours, crushing this bridge and ravaging these towns.
9: Watching $80,000 boats cascading down the river, it was just unreal.
10: Patricia Heinecke has never seen anything like it either, and she's lived in Kingsland, Texas for 30 years. Oh,
2: it's very tough. And then the Did I have no flood insurance here.
10: Tonight, there are new flash flood watches in effect. And to relieve pressure on this dam, authorities plan to open a record number of floodgates tomorrow.
2: Russian police say an 18 year old student who hated school is responsible for a massacre in Crimea. The student walked into his school and killed at least 19 people and injured more than 40 before killing himself. The gunman described as quiet and shy and had apparently deleted all of his social media accounts before going on the rampage. School attacks are not rare in Russia, but they usually involve knives and far fewer victims.
3: The disappearance of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi in Saudi Arabia is looking more than ever like a murder case. Investigators descend on at least one Saudi home using forensic tools you'd see in a primetime
1: crime show. Tonight, Turkish forensic experts searching for hours at the home of a Saudi diplomat using ultraviolet light to detect bloodstains to see if the body of missing journalist Jamal Khashoggi was brought here. Turkey leaked gruesome details of what it says was his fate to local media. Brutally killed, it claims, by a Saudi hit squad. Turkish officials provided NBC News with passport scans of seven of them. The New York Times identifying Maher Mutreb as a close aide to Saudi Arabia's powerful crown prince. This close at his side on visits to the US and Europe. It says three other suspects are also linked to the prince. The Turks will use the evidence they gather here and any links between the alleged hit squad and the Saudi crown prince to try to weaken him. They want to pile the pressure on their Middle East rival. Turkey though still hasn't made public the audio evidence from inside the consulate. It says proves the journalist was killed here. Bill Neely, NBC News, Istanbul.
2: One of Canada's most notorious serial killers is staying behind bars. Paul Bernardo was denied an early release from prison today by the National Parole Board. Convicted in 1995 of the brutal torture, sexual assault and murders of teenagers Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey, Bernardo has spent the last 25 years behind bars. The 54-year-old admitted to the board that he did horrible things in the past but he said he's improved during his time in jail. The panel disagreed, denying the designated dangerous offender any type of parole. A five-year-old boy with Down
3: syndrome stole the show and melted hearts today during the royal tour in Australia. That is Luke Vincent going in for a hug with Prince Harry and then stroking his beard. A few moments later, at Harry's suggestion, he also gave the Duchess of Sussex a hug and then went right back for another one with Harry. Luke's mother says he didn't know he was meeting royalty, it was just a nice man with a beard.
2: Well, the Canadian music industry is marking a somber anniversary today. It has been one year since tragically hip singer-songwriter Gord Downie passed away at the age of 53 from brain cancer. A number of tribute concerts are planned across the country over the next few days.
3: Canadians will always remember October 17th for a couple of reasons, which brings us back to our top story now on the first day of legalized recreational marijuana in Canada. One of the big questions is the effect of legal pot on healthcare and our hospitals.
2: As Linda Ellsworth reports, healthcare professionals aren't overly worried, but they do have some concerns.
14: The legalization of cannabis in Canada means different things to different people. To the medical staff in St. Paul's Hospital emergency department, it means there will very likely be a rise in overdose cases.
9: That was the experience in in some of the places in the United States and the states where it was legalized, specifically in Colorado where they track that.
14: Dr. Joseph Finkler says Colorado, which four years ago became the first state to legally sell marijuana, found one group in particular were more likely to end up in emergency.
9: You were just going to expect more naive users using marijuana, specifically edibles and experiencing more adverse reactions to the edibles.
14: Edibles, which won't be legally for sale in Canada until next year, can get people into trouble because, compared to smoking weed, they take more time to kick in.
9: They say, oh, I I don't feel anything after this uh, pot brownie or the gummy bear. I'll just take another. And then maybe 60 to 90 minutes later, they get a rush
14: a rush that can include a racing heart and palpitations, paranoia, sweating, tremors, and vomiting. Colorado has come up with television ads to educate neophyte marijuana users. An edible can take up to four hours to kick in, so start with a low dose and wait it out before going in for another bite. Edibles also present a threat to children because they look like sweet treats. Calls to Colorado's poison control helpline increased threefold after legalization. Is keeping your weed out of reach good enough? And my answer is always... Hey! No. So lock it up, and if you imbibe, take it slow, or you might end up here.
9: I don't think it's going to be an explosion. I think it's going to be a gradual drift.
2: Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The frozen landscape of Greenland has never seen anything like this. We'll show you right after the forecast.
3: That was one cold dip in. Okay, just before we get to Christy, the joke about Calgary is winter only lasts two weeks, but it comes 20 times a year. And here's the proof. Remember this? Calgary, two weeks ago, hit by a record-breaking October snowfall that brought the city to a a standstill. Some areas getting more than 40 centimeters.
2: And this is Calgary today. Playgrounds, parks, outdoor patios at the city's restaurants, even golf courses, full of people basking in summer like weather. Like Metro Vancouver, the city has been enjoying a
5: strong stretch of warm weather.
3: Keep it rolling, I say. We'll check Mm -hmm. in with Christy right now and uh, get a check to see if that is actually going to happen.
5: Yes, five more days of this stretch of weather, you guys. First, though, Salmon run is happening right now. Bonnie Karen sent me this photo from the Adams River near Chase. A really great action shot. A lot of people sending me photos. This one from Marco Den Uden, who used to work here at Global. Hi Marco from Weaver Creek Spawning Channel. This is near Harrison Mills. Salmon River is peaking right now through until the 25th of October, but you can probably see the fish until the end of October. Adams River near Chase in Shushwap and the Weaver Creek near Harrison Mills, just two hours out of uh, Vancouver. Those are open daily. From nine oh, until nine, uh, sorry, until 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and the Capilano uh, Salmon Hatchery until six. This is a ton of fun for the kids. Now, Capilano, you can't see the fish necessarily in the river, but you can see them jump the, rap- the ladder, and it's pretty cool. So check that out. And yes, stretch of weather. Have you wondered, is this a record? Well, Mark Madriga crunched the numbers this morning. Look back 50 years, and it's not. We're, if we get the 14 days that we're expecting, this would be the fourth longest stretch of dry weather that we've seen in October. The longest was in 1986, at 24 days. And this dry weather has meant, yes, fires. Six new fires caused in the last uh, 24 hours caused by humans. So be careful. It's very dry out there. And currently we still have 50 fires burning across the province. And that means when we get these big upper level ridge, stagnant pattern, bit of an inversion developing, haze. It developed later yesterday and it will continue for the next couple of days likely. This You can barely see the mountains off in the Distance. Uh, so yes, smoky haze, and that was seen in through the Kelowna region. Marie uh, Fletcher sent us this one from the Myra Canyon, looking out over Kelowna. That's all haze. It's not fog, and we will see this likely for a couple of days as this ridge continues to trap in that smoke down below. Now we have seen things weaken a little bit, some cloud cover pushing in, but this is going to re-strengthen on Friday. We're back to sunshine. That pattern of morning fog and afternoon sunshine is what you can expect. So north coast and across the northern inland regions are seeing some cloud from that uh, ridge breaking down slightly and you can see that into Kamloops and Revelstoke but by Friday that will clear out once again and we will be back to straight sunshine across the province. Morning fog, possible patches and a few areas saw a little bit of frost this morning. Ladner did. Uh, That's not likely tonight but we will see that sunshine through until Monday. It's Tuesday That we will see rain once again. And I'll leave you with a fun shot from uh, the Coonies. Rosemary sent us this one. Having fun with (laughs) her leaves. After ricking them all up, she deserves that. (laughs)
3: Making a mess. Thanks, Rosemary. And thanks, Christy.
2: A Russian wakeboarder took his sport to new heights and new latitudes.
3: Nikita Martinov is considered a pioneer in wakeboarding, so why not wakeboard in between and over icebergs in Greenland? Martinov says the frigid temperatures weren't the only challenge. He says the water felt sticky due to the high salt content and says falling was painful because of the needle-like shards of ice floating just on the surface. Oh, my. Wow. It does look fun, though, Looks if cool. you knew
13: how to do it. Yeah. I, and if it was slightly warmer.
2: I would do it in Hawaii. Yes.
3: No icebergs. Exactly. The only ice is in it's your cute. drink. Well, the latest on Hitgate. <laughs> do we have it? What are you guys up to? I don't know. You're no, you up to something. I'll tell you after.
2: I don't really understand.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, just, uh, he just makes a face. and.
3: Okay.
13: I'm sorry. I won't do it again. <laughs> uh, oh, Mike Matheson. Yes, Hitgate. Uh, Mike Matheson, who of course is the guy who did hit Elias Petterson and threw him to the ice, says he does understand why the NHL suspended him for two games and he understands why fans think he tried to purposely hurt Patterson. But he says he didn't. That wasn't his intent. He didn't want to injure him. He also sent Petterson an apology message to see if he's okay. And Petterson answered him and said he's doing better. Uh, Now, there are a lot of reasons the Canucks have surprised everyone on this road trip and won three in a row, beating Tampa, Florida, and Pittsburgh last night. But the biggest reason is the biggest guy on the team, Anders Nilsson, 6'6", 229 pounds, same height as Markstrom, but heavier. He has been the goalie for all three of those wins. But going back to last year, he really is Mr. October for the Canucks. He was great in the first month last season. Then he fell apart. That's when Travis... Green had to yell at him in practice. Remember that? Mm -hmm. But right now, Nilsson has three wins and a 9.43 save percentage. Last October, he had three wins and a 9.43 save percentage. He's technically the backup goalie, but he's the hot guy right now, and he should play tomorrow against Winnipeg. Play him until he cools off. Well, because of seven Whitecaps away for international duty with their various countries, tonight's lineup for Vancouver will be a bit different when they play Sporting Kansas City. And this is a game the Caps need to win. In fact, they need to win all three of the games that are left in the regular season to have any chance at the playoffs. Among the starters tonight, Felipe, Breck Shea, Kai Kamara, Nick Mesquita, and Brett Levi's. It's a different starting 11, but the Whitecaps can only work with whom they have.
7: We are, but I look at the, uh, the flip side of that coin, there's players here that have trained really well and uh, they've been chomping at the a bit. They've been knocking on my door for opportunity and they're going to get it. Uh, so they, they have an opportunity to, to rise to the challenge and, and we're very confident they will.
13: I had to show you this from last night, Vancouver Giants with current. Vancouver Giants, this is a nice goal by Bowen Byram. had 71 shots on goal. 71. Byron was a star, but so was Joel Holfer, the goaltender for Swift Current, because he made 65 saves. Vancouver won 6-2, but my goodness, 71 shots faced. It's like the defense didn't show up. Two games. Were- <laughs> the game before he made 53 saves. That kid uh, over there. I think 49 years now in the NHL, the Vancouver Canucks have changed their clothes a lot. They've basically had six different uniforms with different color schemes. The first time they really changed things up was 40 years ago when they went from the simple stick and hockey rink logo, backed by blue, green and white, to the flying V, worn for seven seasons, six of which the Canucks made the playoffs. The most unique and debated uniform they have ever had. This was the height of fashion in 1978. I know, it's a bit embarrassing. But none of these designs from that year were as daring as this one. The Canucks Flying Vs. How does this look? Jack McElhargy was one of those players in 78. He was positively dizzy the first time he saw the Flying Vs for a team photo. Did anybody go back to the dressing room, Jack, and say, wow, these are great?
10: I remember one of the guys said, uh, well, last year we played like clowns and now they're
1: dressing us like them. The V uniform was supposed to set a, uh, a new trend. It was designed by a company out of California. Uh, the colors were as much about it as the logo and the uniform, and they said, you know, this V was powerful. It was Vancouver.
13: But not everyone recognized the V stood for Vancouver. When Richard Brodura was traded to the Canucks, he walked into the dressing room for the first time and thought the V uniforms couldn't have been the Canucks.
11: <laughs> that was like... <laughs> I remember, I can't
13: see my, I see my own face like, holy crap,
3: what is this? I saw it's got to be a junior team. I walked out.
13: You thought you were in the wrong room. Yeah. But while some never did warm up to them. No, I do not like this jersey. Someone tried something that really didn't work. Others eventually did.
3: It's Vancouver, it's different. My, my mind probably thinks different. I, I like them. I said, I thought even the V on the pants, I, th- I thought they were cool, All right, So,
11: but that's that's me, right? So, so somebody's just like, wow, well, we look like hand rebar.
10: You've never seen anybody kind of have a design like this. And, uh, you know, uh, one that uh, has a lot of criticism over the years, a lot of fun. But when I go to Canuck games and I see people wearing the flying V jersey, it just brings back special memories for me in my career.
13: Because this was the uniform of 1982, when the Canucks made the Stanley Cup final.
3: Hey, you know what? Nobody complained about that jersey that year in 82. Everybody thought it was pretty good uni. I mean, everybody loved them. So it's, you know, see, you win, you look good, you lose, you look pretty bad.
13: But will a new generation of fans ever want to see a revival of the Flying Vs? My
10: daughters, uh, when they have Jersey Day at school, don't like to wear this one. They'll take the old blue and white ones. Many people like it, many people don't. And uh, I think it should come back for, like, one game a year, maybe Halloween Day would be kind of (laughs) nice.
13: Getting ready for the start. Clayton Kershaw had the a rough first game against Milwaukee in the, and the NLCS. Changed. Much better today. Nine run strikeouts in. and even scored and a run here. Now the Dodgers have a 3 2 lead in the series, but it goes back to Wisconsin, game six Friday. There you go.
2: All right. All right. All
13: right. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Squire. Squire. But you want a flying V for Christmas? Look. <laughs> be able to hook you I up? I kind
2: of like it right. now.
3: Yeah. There's All a right. few available, apparently. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, the creator of some of the most enduring characters on Sesame Street is moving out of the neighborhood.
2: What? It's true. Carol Spinney is the puppeteer who brought Big Bird to life, wearing the costume for 50 years. Here's the story behind the beak that has never uttered a mean word.
11: Fifty years ago, Carol Spinney was a puppeteer in search of a purpose when Muppet creator Jim Henson asked him to join his team. He said, I'm going to be involved with a new show. And would you be interested in working with the Muppets? In the day-to-day goings-on of Sesame Street, there needed to be an innocent.
6: Look at that. See, it's got letters on it.
11: A character without guile. His was a child's voice that came from the beak of an eight-foot, two-inch bird.
6: He said the world's full of different
11: birds. I was one of those kind of kids who wanted to do the right thing. That's what Big Bird is always trying to be, is just to be a good kid. That's cooperation. Awkward, flightless, and sweet, Big Bird was the perfect counterpart to Oscar the Grouch, who was also played by spinning. Oscar's got cool. It's fun to play somebody very different than oneself. On the other hand, Big Bird is my kid. In some ways, I love him best. Spinney says Big Bird brought him all over the world, opened his mind, and nurtured his soul. Thank you, Carol Spinney. For 50 years, you have been our fine-feathered friend. Harry Smith, NBC News, New York.
2: That's neat. His apprentice is taking over for him. His apprentice, who's been his apprentice since 1996. Wow. You think he's ready? For the chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, now you're ready. I feel like he's got it down now. <laughs> yeah.
3: Ready for, for prime time. It's funny seeing him use that voice, too, without the costume on, mm. just the legs. Right. Amazing. Well, we'll see how the new guy does. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be great.
5: it be interesting to hear his voice. Yeah. The, the voice new guy's the voice. The new. Yeah.
3: But who did Mr. Snuffleupagus that's a very good, good question. question. Did, did Mr. Was? Snuffleupagus even exist?
13: I, think, I, I mean, think there was an episode where eventually the other people in the neighborhood saw him. Is that, is that right? right? Yeah. I don't oh, know if he is a I big that. Oh,
5: Yeah. I missed
3: That's what I heard. I heard that. <laughs> Enjoy the sunshine while we got it.
5: That's right. Right through until Tuesday. That's when we, well, Tuesday is when we're expecting rain. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.